This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Scott Brooke, Tracy Showerman, Robbie Gannon, Kurt Chambers, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Adam, I'm not going to lie to you. I generally don't read the Cleveland Jewish News because I don't live in Cleveland, and I'm not Jewish, but they did a wonderful <laughs> story about you recently and just kind of the adventure that you've had getting into the world of ultra running and some big races that you've been a part of. So from the Cleveland Jewish News to the Adventure Jogger, welcome, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ryan. So I, I, I won't... So, Spoil the article, but once the interview is done, Adam, people won't have to read the article because we've already uh, we've given them um, everything they'll need to know. But your story is so similar to so many people where, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you found the sport of ultra running and running during the pandemic like so many people when you were stuck in the house and couldn't do much. Right. I had some failed attempts at running Uh decades ago um i think from 2000 to 2003 i had uh gone to the gym and was running a little bit i had gotten myself up to the half marathon and marathon level but then i got an injury and uh never once uh exercised again for about 14 years and gained a significant amount of weight and wow. i had started exercising again only in about I think late 2017. So really, yeah, like you say, when the pandemic hit, I was really in a early, early adult point in life in uh, a couple years into some serious fitness and the benefits uh, that, that we find from it. And the time had come for something, uh, a major step up from going to the gym every day, going to the swimming pool every day to... Uh, the real world outdoors exercise and it took a little while I actually started out by hiking and through the process of hiking I was uh, the magic of Facebook and Instagram somehow you know they know where I'm going they know what I'm doing they see what I'm shopping for they started <laughs> suggesting places for me to hike and once I was hiking um, I ended up on this one little loop one day. Um, it was an amazing park called the Ledges in the Cuyahoga Valley here near Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And I was hiking on this loop. It was a, about a mile and a half loop. And it was a day, I don't know, I think it was February. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous park. I had seen pictures of it, and this was the first time I found it. And I had all the energy in the world, and I was just hiking in circles three, four, five times I hiked around it. And then I started trotting, and I started jogging, and... I was just telling this to a friend on Sunday afternoon at, a, at an event. I was wearing jeans and a sweater. And here I am, just started jogging. That was uh, my, my first uh, experience of running, well, in my second life, really. You know, not counting that 20 years ago, failed attempts. Uh, I, remember the, I remember passing the ranger and talking to him in a little bit, and he was probably looking at me like I'm crazy. Some guy in jeans and a sweater, and he's out jogging full speed and boom i fell in love i went from going out hiking a few days a week to uh slowly uh finding every trail there was and ratcheting up the miles like crazy like all of us ultra runners do five became 10 became 15 became 20 and the next thing you know came the race world I think, Adam, first of all, you are the first person because so many times people will come on and they'll talk about what they wore to their first trail run or their first ultra race. Generally, it's basketball shorts, a cotton T-shirt and, and, and some road Nikes, right? 
you are the first person ever on this podcast over 200 episodes to say your first trail run was in jeans and a sweater. <laughs> it wasn't planned. It just happened. It's interesting, though, that you kind of have lived two running lives, Adam. You talked briefly in that introduction about getting into shape like so many of us do in our 20s and doing the half marathon and the marathon and then the injury just falls apart you know just and all of a sudden the motivation's gone and you slip into those bad habits and then you know 10 15 years pass and you realize oh my god i'm back even farther back than i was when i started all those years ago and so it seems like you took the fitness approach in a different direction of going to the gym, working out weights and that sort of thing. And then you really kind of stumbled in to trail running by just going out for a jog in those jeans. What did, did you think you had discovered a new sport at that point? Were you like, man, I don't know if anyone else is doing this running on the trails, but this really seems like a win. Or how did you discover that there was a whole world ultra running and trail running um, good question it was several months later um till i and also the beauty of instagram it was several months later till i saw some photos when i was looking at trails and somebody had a photo of themselves at a big race here in northern ohio called the burning river 100 mm-hmm. and so i you know i was still a little bit of a, a newbie um i was still spending probably more time jogging around the neighborhood you know, the traditional around-the-block jogger um, than hitting the trails full-time. Um, so I went out on my bicycle. I looked up where this uh, Burning River, where the, where the, I looked up the maps. I saw where it went. I saw it went on some, also on part of a biking trail, which I was familiar with. And I rode my bike out that way that day. And I just, I, I can't even remember if I had planned on seeing the runners or while I was out running, I recalled it, but the timing was perfect. I was out there on this path and seeing these runners go by. And this particular stretch, now that I've run that race, this particular stretch would have been somewhere between, I would have seen these runners somewhere between 44 and 56 miles of the race. I don't even know exactly where along the path I saw them. But that is obviously, you know, this is a July race, so this is, People have been out there pretty heavy into their mileage. I saw people in their well into their pain zone. Um, the heat of the day on the open, on the open, flat, long, ten-mile stretch of asphalt, um, and and it resonated in my mind. Um, it wasn't until about a month after that where I. Um, it wasn't about a. About a month after that, somehow the beauty of all the algorithms was showing me a race called Tuscazor 100. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I've run about, I think I've run about 18 miles a couple times. <laughs> and I'm looking at this event and I'm actually doing this, I'm doing 100 miles this week, um, this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this event and I'm like, and I think it was around a week before, I was up against the last couple of days for the sign up. And I see it's a 25-mile loop. So I see there's 25, a 50, and 100-mile option. I'm like, well, I can already go out and run 18, so why should I spend money to run 25? So I signed up for the 50 miles. Now, you know, I think all of us runner, ultra runners have this quantum leap of at one point or another. Mm-hmm. You eventually reach a mileage distance where you've got to make a jump, and everyone's got a different number. For me, that number was 18 to 50. <laughs> and then ultimately that number became 50 to 100. There were no in-betweens at all. And some, you know, everyone's got their own different buildups, but at some point or another, there's going to be those radical jumps. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, it's just the beauty, you know, we, we can make fun of Facebook all day long, but sometimes there's some goodness in it. Um, and to me, it really brought trail running into my life. It was popping up the trails to go to. It popped up a race suggestion. Uh, a couple of weeks after I went to this race, and I was beat to hell after this race. I couldn't walk. My knee was swollen. I remember 30 miles into the race, I had to pull a branch out of the woods and practically drag myself to the finish line. But I was had so much joy and ecstasy of having done that many miles. And I was like, damn, I'm going to finish, no matter how much it hurts. 
And then, uh, I don't know, a couple of days later, a week later, I started getting pop-ups for join this trail running club. <laughs> and that was it. I would go out after work. Um, I get a pop-up. Here's a Wednesday night club, 6.30 p.m. Here's where they run. And that was it. I drove out. And that's how I became a trail runner. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, first of all, this was not in the Cleveland Jewish News article. I want to say this is an exclusive to the Adventure mm-hmm. Jogger, folks. Adam... All I get from the Facebook algorithm is $10 soap, erectile dysfunction ads, and uh, hair dye. That's all I get. The algorithms, Mark Zuckerberg is responsible for making you an ultra runner because of all of these little things he has placed in your life, all of these advertisements, all of these groups. You may be the only person on planet Earth that the algorithms has made healthier and made you a better person. I believe there's good and bad in everything. You know, <laughs> you have to you have to milk the good and stay away from the bads. But I get I get all kinds of garbage all day long, and I'm getting all the scams that you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> have you bought the ten dollar man soap yet? Uh, no, but you know they really they do make me wonder. You know, <laughs> they got the beautiful girl saying my man smells so good. <laughs> My wife actually bought me some. It is pretty nice. I was going to say, I don't know if it's worth $10 a bar, but I'm definitely thinking it's worth $6 a bar. So, Adam, at this point, this is this is a great introduction into the sport that you kind of find this joy in jogging at this local path that you see and just kind of having all of these things come in front of you. And I'm thinking having ran just a couple of miles and being a block jogger which is nothing wrong with that you can live your whole life being a block jogger and that's a good thing but when you went to burning river that had to have been absolutely eye-opening to see that you know these runners and it's not like one or two nuts there's a whole lot of people that are doing this crazy thing in front of you a hundred miles mm-hmm. what are you thinking as a block jogger riding your bike and seeing these folks i mean it must have been mind-blowing for you um it was and the distinct thing i remember was the, the look on people's faces and you know more people than not have this look of you know i i think i run with a smile on my face the whole time but um a lot of people you know they look like they're drained they look like they're half dead i i think i remember waving and clapping and cheering people on and they just gave me the look back like well you know that look to kill and you know and i still see it every time i go to races too you know you you pass somebody or they pass you and we you know we give each other the kudos and not everybody is as friendly and you know that's fine but um it's funny because when i went to met that big that 50 mile trail race a month later and i remember talking to somebody at an aid station and here i am running 50 miles and i'm just like these people running 100 miles are crazy here i am saying that and i i guess i said that to somebody whose husband was out running she goes and, and there and i and something along the was something along the lines of my husband's out running the 100 and i'm like oh sorry <laughs> and but you know the next morning um or you know, the next morning after I ran that 50, I'm like, it's in my mind. Okay, I did 50. I guess 100 is doable. Um, and, you know, and I joined some running clubs and I met people. And, you know, that's, that's you know, you know, you go to the running clubs as the first time you meet people. And this is what we talk about. Mm-hmm. How many miles have you run? How many miles have you run? Oh, do you ever think you're going to do 100? And that's where the conversations went. And I started getting the... Uh, the experienced guys giving me the advice. I had one, I think the very first guy I spoke with, he told me, if you want to run 100, you got to be running 100 miles a week. Now, I knew nothing. That was the first yeah. first piece of advice that came from a veteran. Now, ultimately, I met other people, and they were like, no, 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 that's way too much. you got to be consistently running your 50 or so, and you got to have a plan for your peaks and your tapers. And, you know, I think over the last three years, I, I'm lucky if I've averaged – long-term much more than 50 a week once i subtract out the race as anyhow so um but yeah i got that bug in my mind for the 100 and the second i stepped up to that starting line it was no longer crazy 
Um, but I don't mind, you know, if I tell somebody who's not a runner, I, I, I expect the first words out of their mind to be, are you crazy? Um, that, that's perfectly fine. It's, it's rare if someone doesn't say that. Now, I said, I told, my, I told one of my doctors uh, last week that I ran two 100 miles in the last two months, and they were just like, wow, that's great. I thought they were going to... I thought they were going to call down the hall to psychiatric or something, you know. Um, that was perfectly expected. That would have been a perfectly normal, expected reaction. But um, it turned out the woman said, yeah, my husband runs too. That's fantastic. I'm so proud of you. You um, may have found the only doctor that has ever said, you shouldn't um, do that. That'll hurt your knees. I had a pulmonologist uh, when I had COVID. Um, he was also very intrigued by me running. And these are probably the biscuit all the doctors i've had to see in the last year i know who's busy and who isn't and i discovered a pulmonologist time has got to be the most busy since we have covid and this guy must have spent about 10 minutes talking to me about running after i saw him one time um so there are people who are intrigued by it and obviously we all know there's people who are uh just in total shock i i my man who lives across the street from me saw on facebook the first time i ran 100 and he said to me when he saw me driving by one day, he goes, I didn't know a human being could do that. Mm-hmm. And now they know. They know the neighbor does yeah. that. You're the talk of the <laughs> complex. They're like, the neighborhood's like, there's that guy. There's that running guy. By the way, that 10-minute discussion with the pulmonologist about running was the most expensive 10-minute discussion about oh, running ever. <laughs> Your insurance company was like, what, what, why were you there for that long? <laughs> <laughs> Why do we get billed? This is $500 for this 10 minutes here. Um, you kind of tease something that we'll get to in just a bit. People are wondering, why has Adam had to see doctors? Well, that's coming up. So you were one of the folks that actually, you got COVID during the pandemic. Um, Not initially. I got it, uh, I think I had it in May of 2022 okay so by the time so i dodged i dodged it for almost two years okay did you have any any long-term effects from it or is it something that was just kind of a i've, I've I, known people that have had long-term effects and others that are just like i felt like garbage for three days and i was fine yeah i'm uh i'm uh, i'm permanently i have two inhalers i have a permanent inhaler and i carry a rescue inhaler okay um, so what I mean by permanent is I take it every morning, every night. Right, it's not, it's not built into your body. Right. You don't have like a like an inhaler um, hanging on the side of your neck. Yeah, um, no, but I've ne I carry it, but I've never used it. So I'm not like that kid in the movies who is about to conk over or anything <laughs> like that. But um, no, I experienced some, uh, I don't know the exact word, some diminished lung capacity. Mm -hmm. So I can't breathe in as deeply and as smoothly as I was able to before. So... Uh, people who know me and run with me, they just think I'm like talking or screaming while I'm running because my, my breath is very loud. But it's become a, a uh, something I'm sort of oblivious to. You just call you Wheezy behind your back. They're like, here comes Wheezy again. It's something like that, yeah. <laughs> how, it's, it's real loud. But how, like, that's that's something. I mean, to think about the inhaler and all of that, that had a negative effect on your running, made it harder for you. It definitely took away from that, you know, if you can imagine that like deep, smooth, controlled breathing mm -hmm. while you're within a certain, you know, if you're within a certain heart rate zone without going full speed. So I can't maintain that, that smooth breathing anymore. So it's, it's changed me, but, um, it doesn't stop me in any way. How is it? It just, it just sounds weird. It's, it's just, just a nuisance. Gotcha. So it's kind of a pain in the butt. You can't sneak up on anybody, um, but you're still yeah. able to do what you enjoy. How did that 100 miler go for you? You talk about the 50 miler and how you experienced the joy. And I'm sure at some point in that 50 miler, it probably clicked for you when you saw what those runners were going through at Burning River, when you saw that face that they gave you, you probably experienced that a little bit at your 50-miler, but so much more at your 100-miler. Yeah, um, and in fact, the, the very next time I ever saw that face was when I ran on a relay team um, in Burning River, which would have been 
a month before I ever attempted my first hundred. So I remember when I was on the relay team and I was sitting at a at an aid station waiting for my runner to come in, and I think I was at. 88 mile mark because I was going to run the last 12 or something like that and I remember seeing a man sitting there on the bench with the look of death and that was the first time I had seen that you know sitting there um, and I just you know like any other uh, wannabe helper I was just like dude come on my runner's coming in you know and I think he had told the aid station captain he was quitting yeah and he was sitting there for a ride or and they were all begging him to keep going and I and I I'm sure I've been through that too later, but um, you know, and I was a rookie and I didn't know the experience, so all I remember was sitting next to the guy trying to be a good Samaritan and being like, "Dude, my runner's coming in five ten minutes. I'll go out with you. You know, I'm on a relay team. Our time sucks. You know, we're not doing good. We got twelve miles to go. Come on, buddy, you look great. You know, just one more guy pulling every trick in the book to bring this guy who was about to die." And, you know, he didn't want to hear it, you know, you know, and this was my, I guess that was my first shot at, you know, trying to, to get somebody to keep going. And, and I, I know when I, uh, when I DNF'd 100 one time too, I remember all those same people, uh, begging me to keep going <laughs> and I didn't want to hear it either. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of um, great, though, to do that relay because you really had a almost baby steps into the hundred because there you were seeing folks from 80, 88 on last yeah. 12 miles. You get to experience that where you don't have 88 miles on your legs, but just to be around the people that do and to see people with 88, 90, 95 miles on their legs moving so well some of them moving better than others that had to be motivation and inspiration for you with that hundred miler of your own in just a couple of weeks yeah and then my um i'm trying to think of the time frame yeah i think my first hundred miler was about two months after that okay two months well no my first hundred miler was about a month after that and i dnf'd it at 75 and then a month later, I did another 100-miler, which I succeeded at. So what happened at the first one? Um, actually, the the breathing got me. It's so too, much, guess, too much to did, Were you just... Yeah. Was it new at that point? Were you like, I'm not accustomed to having to huff and puff so much and it just 75 miles and you're it? Yeah, it was a... It's, it was the Tuscazora course with the one I'm going to again this mm-hmm. week, so... I'm going to be claiming my hundred medal this week or my yeah. hundred buckle. Yeah. But, um, it's a brutal course and it, it's, you know, it's the summer, it's hot. Um, and my breathing was bad that day and I had already probably maxed out on my inhaler. So I was at the point where I didn't have a pacer and I was just at fear of going out into the forest for another 25 miles, um, medically, I yeah. guess. And that, that's a decision, you know, was a, you know, decision I had to live with. Yeah. What did you learn from that 75 mile experience? We won't call it a failure because, you know, you learned some lessons from it. What helped, what helped you in that experience to finish the next one a month later? Um, that's a very good question. Um, the, the, all there's the, you know, I grew up watching Wide World of Sports, and they talked about the, the glory, the glory of the win and the agony of defeat. I think was the catchphrase, and back when I watched that in the '80s, and that's really was. I sat there crying. Um, I sat there for an hour. They begged me to keep going. They told me you had tons of time. You could walk it. I don't think I could have walked it and finished, but. Mm-hmm. I probably could have walked it and at least, you know, been over the time and at least had the internal glory of finishing. I wouldn't have finished technically on time, but um, I remember sitting there for probably an hour because I, I have the data from my watch. So that last mile shows an hour and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's how long uh, people begged me and cajoled me. And I had to think about it you know deep in on my own till i finally said no i can't do it um and i sat there and cried for probably another hour after because uh that was that was the agony of defeat i mean yeah i think i had actually 77 miles on my watch <laughs> yeah and that's a hell of a lot of miles that was 
you know, aside from the 50 or 51, that was the most miles I had done. And, you know, it's, you, you go home and you would tell a non-runner you ran 77 miles and they're going to look at you like you're that first Greek guy who ran the marathon or something. But, right. you know, in the running world, for a couple of hours, you feel like a failure. So, um, you know, I came home, I uh, talked with a friend um, a couple days later and we there was another one about five weeks later and we said okay let's run this one together we'll do some mm -hmm. we'll do some run walk strategy and uh let's let's hope we can uh, learn from our mistakes and uh take it a little easier not not overexert and kill ourselves and uh fortunately um we, we were able to finish it in in good health and no injuries pain-free and everything it must have been for you having that I mean seriously you sat and you sobbed at 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 the at the point where you dropped the race before that meant a lot to you that was hard the 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 pain of defeat you must have approached that starting line on the next one with an incredible sense of determination that you probably didn't even know you had like you i'm i'm sure the mind that you Knowing that you'd gone that far, I, I, I could go 77 miles. How am I going to get that last 23 miles? It must have been a completely different mindset for you the second time you ran that 100 and finished. Uh, it was. I, I trained uh, much more seriously uh, for the five weeks leading up to it. Uh, it was also closer to home, so I literally went out I think twice a week onto the course, broke it up into stretches, ran every, and it was um, it was an out and back course, so we, you know, one full overlap. So I had run every stretch of the course probably four times. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had, I felt like there were nights I laid in bed and I could visualize every step of the course, yeah. the scenery and everything. So I felt fantastic going into it. Um, I definitely had better training, even though it was only five weeks. I know people train for five months for a 100, but I had the cleanest five weeks approaching an event ever. Um, my eating was very good. My mental state was very good. And I had a friend, uh, we ran the first 50 miles um, completely together until our pacers came along. And, then, and even once we had pacers, we were still fairly close together, yeah. constantly... Yeah leapfrogging each other and catching each other at aid stations and finishing within less than an hour of each other. Um, so every, everything worked out great that day. Finish line. Having been so close, and it's so funny you say you're short by 23 miles, which to some people, they couldn't even fathom running 23 miles, but yet in a 100-mile race, you can say you were so close with 23 mm. miles to go. Um, how did it feel crossing that finish line after weeks five weeks before it didn't go your way but this race uh, went your way and now you finished a hundred mile ultra marathon uh it felt like heaven um i crossed the finish line and we were just ecstatic i had friends there waiting and then um you know, the race director was there she had chairs lined up and she immediately pulled you to sit down in a chair, which I think this was the only race I've ever been at where they did that. Um, and, you know, um, you know, a couple minutes after that pure joy goes away, you start to also tear up a little bit, which is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, then I had a friend who went and got me some food. Um, and you just sit there in a state of bliss for whatever it is, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I don't even remember. You ride that wave, that wave of like, oh my God, I can't believe what I just <laughs> sure. did. You know, it's, it's, it's so, it's so elusive. And it's like when your watch turns over that third digit, it's a magical moment where you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, yeah. how was I able to do this? Yeah. And like this one, yeah, same one. We ended up, I think, think 101 miles. So. You know, I'm looking at my watch, and I knew the course, and I'm looking at my watch, and we're at 100, and I know we have one to go, and I'm just like, <laughs> and you're running that one mile full speed. It's beyond belief. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, you had kind of an obstacle that has come up into, into your ultra running, something rather large you had to overcome just recently. Um, you were hit by a car. Yeah. Like, while you were out running? Yeah, we were out on a an, on an evening run a little bit before sundown. Um, so I was with a running club, and we, we would do a five-mile um, road run, but mm-hmm. we went through a little bit of a a park-like area. Um, we would start at about, it was Thursday nights, so we'd start at about 6.30, and this was a fast group, so we would run five miles. It was exactly a five-mile loop. Uh, we would be at about seven and a half to eight pace okay. every week. Um, so this was January, so we were, we were slightly ahead of dusk. But... Um, yeah, I think according to my watch, I was 2.9, 2.98 miles in, and I guess uh, we were going through. We all, we, we're, it's a fast group, so we got a little we got a little thinned out as a group. I know I was. I know there were two people together ahead of me, so then I was third solo, maybe a couple hundred yards apart, and then there was another group, a couple hundred yards behind me. <laughs> so you know, I don't even remember. I was hit by a car, but I don't even remember being hit. But According to my watch data, I was 2.98 miles into a five-mile run. I know to the inch the spot where I was hit. I know according to another running group, which came from the opposite side of the road, literally like one minute later, that was actually the first people to find me was another running club, not even the running club I was with. So I know the exact spot I was hit on, but um, basically... I was hit uh, perpendicularly going through the crosswalk and uh, driver uh, going through the light uh, at a 90 degree angle just hit me at full speed. Holy and cow. I woke up about an hour and a half later in the fully processed and I was already in the uh, ER bed. Wow. Full speed, hit on, you have no idea, you wake up, you're in a hospital, we don't know who stopped your watch, but thank you for that person who stopped your watch <laughs> to make sure we knew the exact mileage here. <laughs> yeah, well, I believe I had the Apple Watch on because um, whatever reason I did, had that one on that day, but Apple will eventually auto-pause when it detects no movement. I'm glad you said that because all I'm thinking is you've got a Garmin or a Koros and someone's like, that guy just got hit by a car. Stop his watch. We don't want the ambulance ride no. to count in a Strava. I- I think the auto pause eventually kicked in because I had, I had two seven minute miles and then I had an eight minute mile. Yeah, they got you on that eight <laughs> or minute, a nine mile. minute mile. Or yeah, something on like that, that on that nine minute mile, they got you. So, were you pretty injury wise? What were you dealing with in that hospital bed after being hit by the car? Um, yeah, I mean, I woke up in the hospital bed with somebody looking at me and said, uh, Adam, you know, I don't remember exactly. I think they said something like, Adam, you're in the hospital. You're hit by a car. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess they proceeded to tell me I had a I had a broken leg and I had a severe concussion. Um, I mean, my head wasn't cracked open or anything, and they didn't have to cut my head or anything like that. But I had a severe lacerations and bruisings on my forehead and on the back of my head so we think i rolled up on the windshield and broke the windshield probably with my forehead which would explain the cuts on my face and then rolled off onto the concrete and hit the back of my head Mm. um and ultimately i spent uh i was in the hospital a couple hours short of 14 days 14 days you're in the hospital yeah they couldn't release me because I could barely even sit up in a bed. Uh, the concussion was so horrible. Oh. And that's really, they, they kept telling me every day they're going to send me home and couldn't even sit up in bed. So they couldn't, they, they couldn't do anything with me other than leave me just sitting in the observation, I think is what they called it. You're in the hospital for all that time. You're someone who'd run 100 miles. You're in really good shape. And you just have to sit in that hospital bed. For two weeks, yeah, that must have been torture. Uh, well, I would I would speculate that I spent 
I can't put a number on it. So I would I would guess seventy five percent of those two weeks sleeping, at least the first week, seventy five percent of the time sleeping. Wow. The second week, you know, they got me on my feet a few times with a walker to to take maybe a baby step or two. You're a you go from a hundred miles to needing a walker to go down the hallway just like that. Yeah, I mean, we were we we were at a point we didn't know if I'd be able to walk again and or run again or or what. Nothing. We had no clue. So the doctors are at this point are like, listen, Adam, we're not even sure you're gonna be able to walk. Let's not even talk about running at this point. For someone who, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg, had found this new tribe of people, this new sport, this new hobby that brought you so much joy. What's running through your head when you don't even know if that's a possibility for you for the rest of your life? And you're not an old person. I mean, this is mm-hmm. the bulk of your life. This may be gone. It, it's hard to say. You know, I, I, I'm going to probably say I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had family. Uh, my parents don't live here. My parents came. My parents flew home the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have brothers and sisters that live here in the area. So I had family seeing me every day. Uh, friends, sometimes multiple friends came to see me a day. So I had a lot of people to cheer me up, uh, to distract me from those thoughts. Mm-hmm. So I think my waking hours, I didn't have a lot of time to dwell on it. Yeah. Um, other, you know, other than people, vis- you know, family and people visiting me, I think other than that, I think I was asleep though. I don't remember ever watching TV. I think the... The nurses had to beg me to eat two meals a day. Yeah. They would call me and they'd say, you didn't order dinner. And I'm like, oh, I'm not hungry. I'm laying here in bed half dead. Yeah. Um, and obviously I was, you know, on IV, so I wouldn't know what they put in me, but I'm sure I was pretty heavily medicated. So many episodes of The Price is Right that you don't remember watching. You have no idea who won the showcase showdown for two weeks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't turn on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> when did it? When did the reality start to come into play where they were like, okay, we kind of know the extent of your injuries. It looks like this concussion is starting to die down. This leg looks like it will heal. You will be able to run again. Was there ever that conversation or was it always, let's just see, let's wait until this cast gets um, off. It never happened prior to me being released. Um, uh, they basically only released me after they were able to get me on a walker and they were comfortable that I could take enough, a couple of steps so that they knew they could send me home and I don't even know. I don't know what goes through a doctor's mind. I guess I, I knew once I got home, if I had to go to the bathroom, I could make the five or six steps to the bathroom and that was about it. Wow. Otherwise, otherwise... They had told me every day, yeah, you're going to go home in a day or two as soon as we see that you can sit up in this bed, which which we could barely ever do because the, the nausea and everything was just horrendous. Oh, my God. So you get home and you're, you've got a 100-mile buckle on your dresser <laughs> and you've got a walker because now you have to use a walker. Yeah, yeah so I think I had a follow-up with the orthopedist two weeks after I was released from the hospital. And then he said I could switch from the walker to crutches. And I think I was on crutches for at least another two weeks. So for four weeks, you're not you're not walking unaided. You're certainly not running. But it had to have been a relief to transition from a walker to crutches because it was progress, right? Yeah, I have a I do have a log because I had put together some data for somebody when I was ultimately, I can probably tell you in a second, the very first day I was able to walk without even a crutch. Oh, an ultra runner has logs. How how unusual. Oh. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I'm guessing, oh, here we go. Well, I, actually, I have my first jog date. All right. How far? <laughs> my, first, my first jog date, well, we just went straight to the five miles. <laughs> um, well, I don't know. 
Uh, 60 days. Um, let me think. About nine weeks, nine, yeah, 69, exactly nine weeks after being hit, I, w I was able to go out and jog five miles. Holy cow. I don't have a clue how fast we were, but <laughs> we, to we totally skipped the one mile jog and the two mile jog and we just did a five. Yeah, your doc's probably like, why don't you just go out and see if you can go around the block? Yeah. And you knocked out but five it was, miles. Um, it was... It was 25 days until I was even able to walk one mile, and that was with crutches. Wow. And then to jump 90 and days. Just, yeah, like <laughs> everything else, we just went through the mood. <laughs> How did that five-mile run feel after the walker, after the crutches, after all of that? Uh, it was just amazing. Um, and I don't think it was a planned run. I think we went out for a hike. And somewhere inside the middle of that hike, we just started trotting. You're wearing jeans and a sweater again. You're like, oh, no, I know where this is. No, we, no, we were, no, we probably had shorts or tights on, but we were on a what's called the towpath, which is just a flat, straight trail alongside the river. Yeah. Um, so I think we had planned on just going for a long hike, speed walk, whatever you want to call it. And somewhere inside that, we, or as I recall, my friend was doing a longer run. Maybe yeah. a 20 mile run. And I intercepted her somewhere inside that where she decided to walk with me for a little while. And then who knows, maybe peer pressure. I interrupted her run. So I had to make my attempt to, to trot or jog a little. And that, that's how it happened. That had to have been surprising too, to be able to do five miles after 90 days of walker, crutches, yeah. hobbling along. When did you decide that you were going to do 200 milers to kind of save the uh, world i'm back never um so the second 100 miler was sort of on the schedule but um i didn't plan on it happening it, okay it, you know it had, it had been on my it had been on my little calendar from when the race was announced um from a year ago but it was also one of those races where there was a 50k 100k option so it was part of a race series actually over the entire spring summer and it was very nice this particular series gave me some goals along the way we had a 10 miler we had a 13 miler we had a marathon and then we had the big one the 100. so each of those shorter races for me was a goal i didn't even know if i could make in fact when we did the half marathon i was only able to run about seven or so miles really and then we had and then we had to run walk the remainder of it. So that, that was the progress of my spring and summer. I had my, um, but I had goals along the way. Otherwise I had no, I had no races booked other than this one series that was in my mind, especially cause it was a series yeah. and there's the bonus swag and it leads up to the hundred milers and the whole series was on the same series of trails at the hundred was on so it was just a really cool plan what's but the hundred miler was like that was totally that was totally lost there was zero thought of that ever happening uh even of walking it was there was no thought um and then you know i think just some of us just do these things on a whim you know sometimes just things happen um so the first of the 200 milers we're talking about was when there was the Froggy Mountain. And I literally learned about it on a Thursday around 11 a.m. Yeah. I saw my friends, I saw a friend's Facebook post, packing the car, heading the Froggy Mountain. So I go and I Google Froggy Mountain and there's no results. So I, I, I send her a text and I go, where's this race you're going to? And she sends me, she writes Galax, one word, G-A-L-A-X. I type Galax. There's no, there's no results. I go, did you mean Galaxy? I don't even know what state you're referring yeah. to. He writes Galax, Virginia, and sends me the, the Google Map link. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, it's like eight hours away from me. Eight hour, four hundred miles, eight hour drive. I'm like, you know, and people have run, you know, we run hundred miles. Most, almost all of them are Saturday morning. So I said to her, oh, okay, well, yeah, I could drive out. I could get down there tomorrow, find somewhere to sleep. Like, what time does it start Saturday morning? 
She writes back, no, it starts tomorrow morning, Friday morning. And I'm like, oh, the hell with this. It's Friday noon, it's Thursday noon, and the race is starting 5 a.m. tomorrow. I'm like, okay, so much for that. Like, you know, you're a good friend, but yeah. <laughs> this ain't going to happen. Yeah. And like 20 minutes later, I, I text her back, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pack the car. I think I could be on the road in about a half an hour and be there by like 10 o'clock tonight. Where am I going to sleep? <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's on this guy's property. You'll just camp out there or sleep in your car. Like, okay, obviously I wasn't thinking. I think the whole, I think the whole rush rush over, overtook any clear thinking. I just had this, this like, cool, a friend of mine's doing a 100 miler and she said I should come. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm in good shape. Let's do it. So, okay, so Froggy Mountain, I did a, just a little research on this. This is an underground... This is not on ultra sign up. This is like an underground invitation only hundred miler with forty five thousand feet of vertical gain. Right. It was uh, supposedly the highest vertical gain of any hundred miler in America. And I didn't know this. I didn't know any of this. I'm you know I'm only three a little over three years into ultra running, so I don't really. I've never, this was my first out-of-state run, too, so I, I'm not really a, a pro on knowing all these, uh, whatever you're going to call them, all these super races, all these, you know, like the World Series of uh, ultra running. Well, there's so nothing. I don't, even know about, I don't even know about the Leadvilles and the Utes and the Ures. This isn't anywhere. This is not an ultra sign-up. This is some, like, you, yeah. you couldn't Google any of these any of these new races you you couldn't you couldn't do that because this is froggy mountain nobody even knows what this mm-hmm. is and at what point and, and this is what how like what six months after you got hit by a car that you're going off um, to the middle of nowhere to run this race that yeah this was uh i think six months i think it was six months in a week this was july 23rd so i think it was yeah 27 weeks exactly but um yeah, I mean, this was Paul Tilly's backyard. He literally owns a piece of land that's probably, I don't know, a square mile. And most of the land is wooded, a wooded mountainside. He yeah. lives in the mountains. So, I mean, to an ultra runner, this is, he, he found the, the dream piece of land. And he, uh, however they did it, they dug out trails. Um, so you went up the mountain, across the traverse, down, and then back up, and then back down. So the map sort of looks like a like a horseshoe shape. You kind of did the outline of a horseshoe twice, give or take. Um, and that was really all I saw. I saw it was on his personal Facebook page. I saw this little map. It said, here's the one-mile course, 475 feet of elevation per loop. That's all I saw. You know, it's his land, so there's no address, there's nothing. You can't look at a you can't look at a Google map and change it to the to the 3D setting to get any clue what you're looking at. And I didn't even know what it was I thought there might have been some other choices. My friend Rosie said, Yeah, just show up. You could run like a marathon or something. And I don't even think she realized that there was no other choice but a hundred. <laughs> and then I get there and then we're running. And there were a lot of people that showed up to run besides the people who finished 100. Um, there were just people from the neighborhood. They showed up and they ran for a few hours and then they went to work or they showed up on Saturday and they ran 10 or 20 or 30 miles in addition to the people who did the 100. But, um, you know, this, this was a brutal course. And uh, it wasn't even until the end of the first day. And I think we started the race. I got the pictures and I ran like two loops and I went back to sleep because I only slept like three hours. Um, so the end of the first day, I think I was only at about 25 miles. I mean, this is, this, this, this is literally like a, a 26, 27, 28 minute mile place. And this was, this was exerting effort. I mean, nobody, nobody had times under the low 20s per mile. So, you know, this is not the kind of, uh, this is not the kind of Strava log that you <laughs> that you extract and you go bragging about because people are going to be like, I could walk faster than that. And I'm like, no, because this hill, you could barely even get up with your trekking poles. But um, So you have to do this horseshoe mile a hundred times. 
Yeah, it turned out to be uh, 1.1. So in the middle of the second day, they said, okay, we're not going to force anyone to do 110 miles. We'll we'll cut it to 91 loops, 100 miles even. <laughs> um, but at the end of the first day, I was at about 25 miles, and it's getting dark, and I have some issues with running in the night still. Um, I've sort of gotten past them now, but... And I said to the guy, I'm like, um, you know, so my friend said I could run like a marathon or, but I feel great. I could run tomorrow. Maybe I could just quit at like 50 miles because I'm a lot of miles behind anyhow. So there's a time limit. So I'm not going to be anything remotely near the hundred. I might be at 50 or 60 by yeah. the time limit. Yeah. And they go, no, no, there, there's, there's no 25. There's no 50. There's no hundred K. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> they're like, they're like, well, we love having you here. Um, if you go a couple hours over, don't worry about it. <laughs> what is the time limit yeah. for, for Froggy Mountain 100? It was 60 hours. Um, so three people, three people finished within the official time limit. Yeah. And then I went over and they said to me, and there was a, there was one guy who quit, I think at around 50 miles, he was hurting on, I think day three. Um, so I guess there were five official starters. I thought there were more, but, um, so I got to, uh, so 60 hours that puts us, ugh, I gotta do some math here Friday morning. Yeah. So that puts us like, a, that puts us at like Monday afternoon for yeah. the official yeah. deadline. So, um, there had been talk about extending the deadline, but they shortened the loops a little bit. So they didn't want to extend the deadline officially, but then they said, you know, you're here, um, don't worry about it. Just, you know, you can camp on our lands. If you need an extra day, just keep running. Um, and then shortly after it hit the 60 hour point, it started storming horrendously. I mean, like monsoon kind of storm. And we're on the side of a mountain, so you couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly even hike this thing. It was yeah. water flowing down. I have videos, it looks like rivers. So I literally ended up uh, going to sleep for probably about 12 or 13 hours waiting until it's dried out till the morning and everything. So we're, so it comes the morning, I'm already at about 72 hours and I had about 20 miles to go. So, you know, I think clock time, clock time, I think I was at about 84 hours. Um, watch time. I was pro I think I was at 48 on my watch. Okay. Um, and to put it in perspective, uh, Rosie Gagnon won the race in 58 hours and I think she took like three 10 minute naps. Wow. And just barely beat the, and just barely beat the, uh, cutoff. <laughs> Holy cow. So, yeah. So I guess I was about 20 hours over to cut off. <laughs> I slept, I slept all three nights. <laughs> Did you get a and, finisher's buckle? Um, they were producing them. So they said they're going to send me one. Okay. Um, okay. They, they, they said, you know, they were, they were quite shocked that um, some guy literally on an hour's notice jumped in his car and came out there and then it turned out, you know, he's, uh, you know, had just survived, uh, you know, a crippling accident, you know, living with some uh, mental disabilities and. Right. They're like, okay, you know, listen, ran on your property and you got COVID, you got hit by a car and you only knew about this race a couple hours ago. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and just let you finish whenever you finish. That's they must have. Holy cow! I mean, of all the people I've of all the people I've gone to a race for, these are were by leaps and bounds the nicest guys in the world. Wow! Um, and this is Virginia. I don't even know if you call Virginia the South yet, but you hear the term Southern hospitality. And um, this guy and his uh, co director and his wife and his girlfriend. I mean just by leaps and bounds even in life some of the nicest people i've ever met i mean i'm literally me and these other people we're literally camped out in their backyard there's no concept of the race is over get off our land right anything like that it's don't worry you could sleep here as long as you want we're going to keep the aid station over open we're going to we're going to be there for you we're going to bring out the food the race is going to be over. Don't worry. You can go to sleep for another day. You can hang out here. Um, they literally recommended places in the neighborhood to go hiking the next day. Wow. I mean, just just the, the nicest guys I've ever met in, in the ultra running world. And so you finish that one and you have a heck of an adventure there. 
and then the, the the hundred miler that was a part of the race series that was the second one you did right yeah so that was um i mean this was two weeks later what was the I name mean, of the series even, that you were doing? two weeks later because the race ended on a monday afternoon so we're, i think we're 12 days later right 11 what? and a half days later or 12 and a half days later i don't even know what was the name of the series that you did that culminated with the hundred miler um, so it was it was race brimstone is the race directors and they called it the five lakes series that's very cool five, yeah and it was a it was the first time they ran the race this summer um and i just felt amazing i i've never felt like this in my life i ran this 100 100 miler um i stopped a couple places in virginia and west virginia went camping and hiking for a few days along my way home yeah i was literally gone from home for a week um you know most people are resting completely after 100 i was out hiking and jogging in the west virginia mountains i don't even know where i was i'm just driving home and i see sign new river gorge state park so i got off and i don't even know and then there was no phone signals they just picked up a map and went to the nearest campsite and hung out there and jogged a little and liked a little. But um, I think the euphoria was something I, I had never experienced in my life. Um, I had never had any soreness. I never felt tired. I don't think general fatigue hit me until probably a week later. Really? I just, I just think I had this combination of probably the, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The dopamine yeah. rushed through the roof probably and the general sense of euphoria and happiness like I never had before in my life. And then the next thing I know, this the Five Lakes is right around the corner and I'm like, oh my God, this is the race I've been waiting all freaking summer for. And now I'm like, what the hell? Am I even going to be able to show up and do this? Right. I was like, I was like and I know these guys and we're, I'm friendly with the race directors and they know I'm coming. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to be a chicken and tell them I can only do the 50K. I don't even know if I can move. <laughs> um, so I literally held out until the last possible day to click the registration button, which was probably, you know, like some of these smaller local races tend to be three, four days before yeah. instead of your six months before, like your majors. But, right. um, you know, and so I, I clicked the 100. I felt great. Um, I felt on top of the world. Um I was like, I, I got to do this. This was the big one I've been waiting for. I feel great. Nothing's hurting. I'm like, what's the worst can go wrong? <laughs> How did that one go um, for you? Um, and it was great. Um, and my friend Rosie, who was the one who invited me to Froggy, she came out to Ohio on my recommendation. And uh, so we, 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 um, we started that start line together and ran probably 75% of the race to get together until our pacers showed up um, at, I don't even know where our pacers showed up, probably in the 60s. But then the same thing, we probably leapfrogged and ended up finishing fairly close together too. But um, the race went great. Uh, the course was brutal. Uh, I, know, I know a lot of people were saying it's one of the hardest hundreds they ever did. Um, it was a hot day. It was very humid. Um, it was nonstop hills. There was next to no flat sections in this race. Uh, my time, I think, was 30 hours. I don't know what the winner's times were, but um, I think it was in the high 20s. Maybe 26 or 27 yeah. hours was like the winner's time. So this was not the kind of race where anybody went out and cracked 24 hours or anything like that too this was a high elevation gain race um and i think it had maybe a 50 percent completion rate wow to come off of that um, 12 days after yeah, a ridiculous um, <laughs> froggy mountain that's yeah, crazy i don't know how to describe it i i think it's some kind of newfound euphoria in life and there's there's uh, there's a distinct element of being happy to be alive, um, you know. Like I quoted in the other story, I feel like God gave me a second chance in life. So perhaps some of the other factors that, and I don't want to use the word chicken out because, you know, when I did the when I ran that 
when I DNF two years ago at 75 miles, that's, that's by no means chicken out, but I, right. I don't have a better word coming up. That's just, it's, it's pain. You know, I, I don't think there's any other reason any of us DNF a race other than pain. Um, the pain just overtakes you. But uh, I'm sure I had pains. I did have pain. I know in the 80s, I had a piece of gravel in my shoe that pierced my, pierced the sole of my foot, and yeah. my pacer had to actually give me full skin. I actually was about to quit because the pain was so bad, and uh, fortunately, she was able to dig out some moleskin and bandage it up, and I was able to walk again. But um, other than that, I think I really I had like just one of those best days of my life. That's amazing. I made it through the night, thirty yeah. hours. I never made it that many hours before without being drowsy, um, zero hallucinations, just 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 the perfect day. An incredible and I, you know, end, uh, yeah. And it was also amazing. I had my friend Robert. Um, he crossed the finish line of my first 100 with me, and he crossed the finish line of my third 100 with me as the pacer. Um, and he literally texted me like that same morning. I didn't even realize you were joining 100. Do you want me to come on and pace you for the finish? And I'm like, hell yeah. But um, but it was just the perfect day. Like I said, we um, there was like no tiredness no hallucinations other than the the cut on my foot no pain just everything everything lined up perfectly you must be uh, we finished yeah. and you know and robert he i told him run ahead you know that last quarter mile or something like run 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 ahead and we actually did like this little loop so he was able to get way ahead and get the video and everything and i barely even remember it but i can see on the video that i ran up to him and i kissed him and hugged him and i was crying <laughs> Wow. It must have been to think, you know, here you are with a walker. And then six months later, after you're using a walker to get around, conquering this ridiculous froggy mountain. I say that in a nice way. That's that, that I, I don't use that term in the negative. I use it in, in the positive. This race with 45,000 feet of vertical gain and just knowing you could do that. And then imagine, too, 12 days later doing 100 miles again and feeling fantastic through it. Any doubt you had at that point that you'd ever be able to return to the sport that you loved, that that accident would have taken that from you, had to have been gone. And that must have been the euphoria. The euphoria was, oh, my God, I'm back. I'm back. Sure. I mean... We didn't think I would ever run 100 again. And you did. Um, and obviously, like I said, when we started out, we didn't know what I'd be able to do again. Mm -hmm. You know, one mile, five miles. Because that first half marathon, I couldn't even, I couldn't even complete the half marathon as a straight run. Right. There had to be somewhere in the second half of it was it was running, walking, running, walking. So mm -hmm. there was there was defeat. There was well, whatever the word would be, not defeat, but there wasn't uh, wasn't a perfect progression. Um, but you know, I wasn't going to let me. Um, I love you know, I I love running. I know there's people I say they hate running, but um, I love running. Um, I, I'm pretty sure a lot most people are going to say if you find me on a race course, I'm going to have a smile on my face most of the race. You're what? not going to see me complaining or bitching about anything and. I mean, I'm really happy when I'm running. Adam? And I really do feel like I have a second chance at life, and and not only a second chance at life, but a second chance to enjoy that life. Such an incredible you know, story. I, I, like yeah. I mentioned, I, have, I, have, I do have disabilities. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm enjoying that life to the 100% fullest, but um, by leaps and bounds, better than it was expected by anybody. Yeah. You found something that your disabilities don't get into, get in the way of, and you get to experience the joys of yeah. life um, um, in those worlds. I, I get some kinks, and we've learned we've learned how to cope with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic, Adam. Such an incredible story. Um, before I let you go, I have one question for you because um, mm -hmm. everyone's going to want to know this. Did you join the running club that found you on the side of the road? Uh, yeah, I was, I, I'm not in that club anymore, but yeah, 
<laughs> oh, oh, no, sorry, I'm sorry, to your question. Um, no, it was actually, it's, sorry, I miss, miss, misheard your question. No, you're there. Fine. Um, of all the coincidences in the world, that running club is from the complete other side of town. And just for whatever weird reason, cosmic coincidence, they were in my neighborhood that day. And the person who was the first person to see me was somebody that knows me too. Um, I mean, you just talk about miracles happening. Uh, the club that I was running with, I don't know how, but the people behind me never saw me, just kept running. Perhaps they were on the, along the other, is very wide roads right. around here. So perhaps, I don't know. I don't know what, perhaps they were on the other side of the road or, or perhaps they turned, who knows. However, it but, all worked uh, out. They, 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 it all worked out in the end, Adam, yeah, I that, say that. I'm a member of that club on Facebook, but otherwise <laughs> they've never been in my neighborhood again. Um, they're completely on the other side of Cleveland, about 20 miles away from me. Of course, of course, you're a member on Facebook. I think the lesson is the algorithms worked for Adam Small.